This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, January 7th, 2022. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. Congratulations. We've made it through the first working week of the new year. Shares of GameStop rising today with word that it's planning to launch a marketplace for non-fungible tokens. We'll focus on that in our next segment. But right now, the government jobs report for December is a disappointment. If you were expecting a blowout similar to the ADP number, let's get the breakdown with the help of Diane Swank, chief economist, Grant Thornton, based in Chicago. Diane, thanks for joining us. It is now a monthly tradition where the ADP report comes out on Wednesday. It's signals uh, what could be a very positive, very uh, big number when the BLS report comes out on Friday morning, and then it invariably disappoints. What is the reason behind that discrepancy between the two, the, the, the two numbers? Well, they're not exactly the same numbers, and there has been a discrepancy for some time. The more more important issue is we are seeing upward revisions to back data, which means, you know, October now looks like we added almost three-quarters of a million people to it, which is just amazing in terms of job growth. And when we take it in its entirety, what's going on in the month of December, we saw a plummet in the unemployment rate along with surging wages, absolutely soaring wages, especially for low-wage workers. That's more a sign of employers having a hard time finding workers and a hot labor market, despite the fact that we're still short 3.6 million jobs from February 2020. And this is one of the things that the Federal Reserve has concluded is that the pandemic has really put us through this weird wormhole on everything, and that includes the labor market. We've seen a surge in demand for workers. Job openings are still staggeringly high, which is wonderful, and we don't have as many workers looking for those jobs as we once did. So the good news is is that wages are going up. The bad news is we've got Omicron out there, and I worry about those low-wage workers being the ones that will be the hardest hit as businesses have to temporarily close due to the sheer number of workers who are out sick. And then you see the uh, disruptions elsewhere. I mean, you, you're following what's happening with the Chicago Public Schools, 300,000 families uh, scrambling to find some way to take care of their kids because the Absolutely. schools are closed. And that child care issue continues to rear its ugly head in these job numbers. Exactly. The participation rate did pick up among women of color, most notably among women of color. That said, it still is really low relative to February 2020. We know child care is one of the primary issues. Another reason is people out caring for people who are, are ill. And the Delta wave, remember, was hitting us prior to this. And the number of people who were out ill and absent due to illness had been picking up since the fall. And I think that's very important as well, because that's something that's going to surge, of course, as we move into January. And it's another setback for all those people who are parents and trying to deal with their kids, not wanting them to go online. Hopefully, this really will prove to be that the Omicron surge 
uh, descends as rapidly as it ascends, and we can get through this wave into something that's more manageable. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Diane Swank, Chief Economist, Grant Thornton, based in Chicago. Coming up, retailer GameStop making a run at the NFT market. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Video game retailer GameStop is planning to create a marketplace for non-fungible tokens or NFTs. Let's learn more from Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, based in New York. You can check out Shelley's Innovation Series Summit at CESShellyPalmer.com. Shelley, thank you for joining us today. And at first blush, this sounds like uh, the convergence of two uh, 2021 trends, NFTs and meme stocks. They're finally getting together. <laughs> you know, it's possible that they are. Look, I think GameStop is onto something here. The uh, NFT craze is just that. It will calm down. And what it looks like they're going to do, based on some reporting in the Wall Street Journal and some conversations I've had with people who are close to the situation, is that they're not only going to do an NFT marketplace, they're actually working on a cryptocurrency exchange. And what I like about this from a strategy perspective for GameStop, and their stock is reflected, I think a lot of analysts like the same way I do like it, is that in-game uh, in the metaverse, in-game merchandise, in-game purchases, everything from the uh, virtual real estate to um, jerseys for sports games to um, cl- uh, clothing of every kind, uh, real estate of every kind, all of the virtual goods and services that you might want to exchange in either a metaverse or in a game that was Web3 based – you're going to need a place to transact, and this is going to be more game-like than it is anything else. So it's perfectly on brand for GameStop, perfectly, and they're jumping on a trend early, and they've already got the right audience kind of built in. So I like it strategically. They're in the right place, and yes, it feels a little faddish, but if you if you look a little deeper, uh, it, it makes eminent great good sense. Right now, if you are an outsider looking in at the NFT marketplace, it looks an awful lot like people with a lot of additional spending money goofing around with pictures of apes. And okay. that, that seems like the <laughs> NFT marketplace. But once that ends, you know, once the fad moves mm-hmm. out, uh, there's a kernel of, of practical technology in there. No, more than a kernel. I have a book, a best-selling book on Amazon called Blockchain, under my name, Shelley Palmer. It's easy to find. And what it talks about is the world of decentralized finance. It is blockchain-based technology, and yes, NFTs are part of it. Remember, NFTs are smart contracts. And uh, the difference between a smart contract and a regular contract is that smart contracts, when the terms and conditions are met, execute automatically, and you don't need to know anything about who bought or who sold Simply, when the contract is executed, if you're part of it, you get paid. This is a big deal, and this technology isn't going away. So, yeah, it's once the fad of Bored Ape Yacht Club goes away, and once some of the celebrity – and by the way, that might not go away. The music industry has jumped on this, and a lot of celebrities have too for ways to engage with their fans. And this is a way for common folk like you and me – to share in the value that we create, as opposed to creating value for Mark Zuckerberg or Sergey Brin or, you know, Larry Page. This is a uh, th- this is a different way to do business, and it's really exciting. So it's early days. You got to give GameStop a little bit of credit here because I think they've 
they're onto something. And we'll see as this fad turns into a way that we do business. I think people are going to start to deeply understand the world of decentralized finance and smart contracts and utility tokens. And all of a sudden, cryptocurrency is going to take on, and NFTs too, will take on a very, very different role in value creation and value exchange. Fascinating stuff. Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, based in New York. The best daily deal in Chicago. The WBBM Noon Business Hour. Pizza chain Papa John's plans to open well over a thousand stores in China over the next two decades in partnership with an Asian private equity firm. Let's delve into the deal with Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us today. From the standpoint of someone listening in Chicago, a city with a wealth of independent, family-owned pizza restaurants, the chain restaurant space can be a bit of a mystery, and it's even more of a mystery overseas. What is the state of play as far as American pizza chains are concerned in China? Well, there are a couple. Probably the biggest right now is Pizza Hut, and they have had, you know, a huge amount of growth in China, you know, in the last number of years. As a matter of fact, I believe Pizza Hut uh, did about 15% of their gross sales came out of China last year. So China is a huge market, big growth, and they are, you know, really hungry for the American, uh, you know, at least the taste of America. And they look at Papa John's and Pizza Hut as, uh, you know, the companies that can provide that. And uh, so Papa John's is going to be playing a a great deal of catch-up, it sounds like, and trying to catch uh, Pizza Hut and Domino's and other brands that are there already. Well, you know, it can look that way, I think, from our perspective. But if you look at the five largest cities in China compared to the five largest cities in the United States. The five largest cities in the U.S. are total about 20 million people. The five largest cities in China total about 200 million. So there's a huge amount of opportunity. They're being strategic in putting these stores in over a 20-year period. So they're going to learn the market. But, you know, a city like Shanghai with over 20 million people, you know, has a lot of room for American companies to slide in there. The Papa John's origin story, as I recall, was uh, they put these pizza restaurants in college towns uh, that may not have had a a pizza restaurant that uh, all the students in the dorms could take advantage of. Are they going to follow a similar template in China and try and super serve the youth market? Well, you know, China's an interesting market. So companies have gone in there with the idea to hit you know, the similar market or uh, as the U.S., and they come up with something else. So I think they're, they're not going to be aiming just at that, uh, the college market or youth market. I think you're going to see uh, the demographics of the age of people going into Papa John's in China is going to be probably quite, quite a bit wider than it is in the U.S., and then what type of, uh, I mean, to the best of your knowledge, what type of uh, regulatory hurdles exist for American restaurants that want to do business in China? Well, it's work. I mean, certainly you have to have that Chinese partner uh, to, to really get things going. They've done that. Uh, they, they're going to go in there with a lot of strength. Uh, so having that local partner, I think, will smooth the way for uh, Papa John's to get in there uh, fairly easily. But uh, as I said, they have a good plan, a 20-year plan. They're not trying to do it all in five or, or 10 years. So uh, after they get their first, you know, 20, 40, 50 stores, I think they'll have the hang of the market and start to uh, – build out 
probably even quicker than they're estimating. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the Restaurant Coach, based in Chicago. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, an update on a Chicago business that's on the rise since striking a deal on Shark Tank. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A White House vaccination mandate is up for discussion at the U.S. Supreme Court today. Sidney Poitier, the first black man to win the Oscar for Best Actor, has died. In Entrepreneur Friday, we check in with the co founder of a Chicago business that makes a crunchy snack chip using egg whites. And as America's great resignation continues, we have direction on how to handle your 401k WBBM business. The Dow is up 84 points. The Nasdaq is down 107. The S&P 500 is down 10. AccuWeather says partly sunny today, brisk and very cold, a high of 14, but wind chills hovering around zero. Right now in Chicago, we have 10 degrees under mostly sunny skies, but it feels like one below at 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, the U.S. Supreme Court is hearing Challenges today, the Biden administration's efforts to impose a nationwide vaccine or testing requirement for large companies. The latest now from CBS News correspondent Linda Kenyon. The case involves the National Federation of Independent Business and the Labor Department in the state of Ohio, which challenges the vaccine requirement as unprecedented government overreach. But Solicitor General Elizabeth Preloger says it is not. Congress charged the agency with setting nationwide standards to protect the health and safety of employees throughout the nation. And Congress specifically appropriated money to OSHA to address COVID-19 in the workplace. Justice Stephen Breyer questioned the consequences if the court were to issue a stay in the requirement and if doing so would lead to more COVID-related deaths. Linda Kenyon, CBS News, Washington. A pioneering actor has died at the age of 94. Sidney Poitier insisted on a major script change before he agreed to star in the 1967 film In the Heat of the Night. It concerned a scene where the detective he played confronts a white suspect. I said, if he slaps me, I'm going to slap him back. 
Because not doing so, said Poitier, would be an insult to his race. Was Mr. Colbert ever in this greenhouse, say, last night, about midnight? Gary Nunn, CBS News. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed today. We're joined by Jeff Kilberg, Chief Investment Officer with Sanctuary Wealth based in Chicago. Jeff, thank you for joining us this afternoon. And it's uh, 2022, at least the first week of 2022, and the markets are starting the new year on kind of a down note. You're right, Rob. It has been a little chilly in the marketplace, just like it was chilly when I woke up this morning here in Chicago. But nonetheless, let's remember where we were in 2021. A historic year, the S&P 500 was up over 27%. We had a fantastic Santa Claus rally above average, but now we have some volatility. And this dislocation really is predicated about the Federal Reserve, their policy, right? They, swell, they took their balance sheet up to $9 trillion. They had to save the day back when COVID hit in March of 2020. And now they're trying to exit some of their policies, maybe raise interest rates to combat inflation. And the market is really trying to figure out, and that's what we're seeing. You talked about in the very beginning, the Dow Jones up 100 and the NASDAQ down almost you know, 1%. So that dislocation, that's a sector rotation. I think the sector rotation is actually quite healthy. But just this week alone, Rob, we've seen energy up 10%. And technology stocks, which are in the NASDAQ 100, down 5%. So 15% dispersion or difference between these different sectors as people are really flocking towards blue-chip, tangible names. There was some discussion after the ADP report came out on Wednesday that suggested we might see a, a staggeringly large job growth in the month of, month of December, like close to a million new jobs. And, uh, and before the BLS report came out this morning, there was some concern that if this report surprised on the upside, it would make the Fed even more aggressive. Uh, is the fact that this one was kind of a disappointment compared to expectations, uh, is that easing investors' fears about an even more aggressive policy of uh, interest rate hikes in 2022? Well, I don't. I think you're right. I don't think we're emphasizing how disappointing this number actually was. To your point, the expectations were for a beat, but the expectations, the bar was lowered to 405,000 jobs. That's way below where we should be as we're still trying to replace. There's still 3 million jobs not in the workforce when we go back to February 2020. So we're trying to figure that out. But to have 199,000 jobs come into the workplace in December, that's before we've seen Omicron really spike. That's wildly disappointing. So you're absolutely right, Rob. You will see the Federal Reserve not be as hawkish. They'll be a little more conservative. I do believe that Fed Chairman Powell will continue to be accommodative and dovish. And I only see one interest rate next year. But the biggest question, which we're not talking enough about, is their balance sheet. They took their balance sheet from about $450 billion in 2007, up to $9 trillion. I know they had to put on the Superman cape. I know they had to save the day. But we have to reel on that balance sheet and get back to some form of normalcy. And that's why volatility will be here in 2022. But I'm very constructive, very optimistic. But you have to understand which sectors and which stocks you own. Look at a name like Boeing or Delta. really had a rough year because travel hasn't been back. As we envision business travel, as we can get Omicron in the rearview mirror, I think you're going to see some of those blue-chip industrial names come back to life. That's interesting you mentioned uh, business travel. Uh, Bank of America did change its uh, recommendation on Delta stock because Bank of America believes that once uh, Omicron moves out, uh, business travel, which has kind of been the last part of the travel triangle to come back, is not only to come back, but actually come back in a big way. 
Absolutely. This coming week, we were supposed to have our Sanctuary Wealth Annual Conference in Miami. We had to postpone it due to COVID. So you're absolutely right. That pent-up demand, I think that really speaks volumes. And that's why you're seeing energy. Look at the price of crude oil moving higher. I think it continues to move higher. And we're seeing a lot of, as we come out of this recovery, but we're not there yet. And I think the Fed Chairman Powell is realizing that in the weaker-than-expected data today. But this dislocated Recovery is really providing opportunities. So look at some of the sectors. I like technology, but I like some of the subsectors. Really got beaten up. Like if you look at software, like an Adobe, a Salesforce, a Workday, they all got beat up badly in 2021. I think you will see the 10-year note remain under 2%, allowing some of those technology sectors or subsectors to heal. Thanks for joining us today, Jeff Kilberg, Chief Investment Officer, Sanctuary Wealth, based in Chicago. Up next, an entrepreneur Friday, making dough in the snack biz using eggs. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Hey, it's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're getting an update on a unique Chicago snack business that's gotten a big boost from one of the sharks on Shark Tank. We welcome in Nick Hamburger, co-founder of Quavos in Chicago. Nick, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Nick, as you look at the uh, success of your business, did you ever think earlier in life when you looked upon the humble egg that that would be the secret to your success? Um, you know, Rob, thanks for having me. Um, I didn't. It just was an idea that my co-founder had, and, and we've really just run with it. And what is it about the uh, the, the snack space um, that rewards people that go into the lane not taken? I think it's, it's just that um, uniqueness gets people's attention. You know, people are so used to potato chips, tortilla chips, pretzels. Um, and we found from customers and folks who work at retail stores just a lot of interest when they hear, oh, my God, this is a chip made from egg whites? Like, what the heck is that? So it really piques people's interest. And uh, you and your business partner, Zach, started this company in 2018. You were on Shark Tank uh, a year ago in January of 2021 while wearing chicken costumes. And uh, ever since then, it's just been a, a, a rocket ride uh, uh, through through stores. Um, you're in Whole Foods. You're in Woodman's Markets. You just launched in Mariano's this past week. And when you're talking about, uh, you know, making chips out of egg whites, you know, how do you source all of your products? Where do the egg whites come from? Yeah, um, you know, we source from a large egg white supplier um, that sources from, I think, a couple hundred different farms across the country. And are you encountering some of the same supply chain issues that have uh, bedeviled other large businesses in 2021? Um, you know, yeah, we're lucky here at, at Quavos. Um, we really haven't had many issues. We manufacture ourselves, and because some of our suppliers source from different farms, um, We've been pretty smooth on the supply side. And, and you, you're, you're, you're 23. You have already made a couple of uh, 30 under 30 lists, uh, most notably the Forbes 30 under 30. Uh, you have done something at a very young age that a lot of people twice your age or older are dreaming about still. Uh, you know, people do have, that's that's always their New Year's resolution. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to finally branch out on my own and really develop that idea I've always had kicking around in my head. What advice do you have to people who are thinking about taking that plunge this year? Yeah, you know, I, I always say to people, I think um, staying really close to the customer, so making sure you're working on something that people really want, and ideally a lot of people really want, not just like you and your friends. Um, so making sure you're filling a need and then 
doing kind of the easiest, quickest thing to get something out there. So whether if it's a software, maybe coding it quickly, it doesn't have to look pretty, but getting it out there and getting people's feedback so you can make changes and improve. I think sometimes people want to work for a few years on a product, make it perfect, and then launch it. But it's really about moving quickly, getting feedback, and then improving and and relaunching again. And when you were uh, thinking about this three years ago, did you always want to do a snack food, or did you just want to start your own business and then come up with a product that you thought would have the greatest chance of success? Yeah, um, you know, Zach and I always wanted to get into business together, and um, he had this idea because he's type 1 diabetic and was always cooking eggs and thought, hey, we can make a really cool high-protein, low-carb snack. So we had always wanted to go into business, and then this idea just fit his lifestyle um, perfectly, so it kind of was very natural for us. And uh, how is your friendship uh, endured as uh, business partners? Um, you know, it's it's been tough, right? There's a lot of struggles, and it does put put strain on things, but we've managed to stay really close, and I think we're both proud of that. Um, so we're, we're lucky in that way, because there's others I've, I know who, uh, you know, it does really hurt the friendship, but um, yeah, we've been grateful for that, and uh, it has made us stronger, I think, our bond stronger just from from all the ups and downs. And lastly, uh, very quickly, when you go into the grocery store, one that you know that's carrying your product, uh, do you go through the snack aisle uh, one, two, three times and just uh, look at it and smile? <laughs> I definitely do. The biggest for me was Whole Foods when I saw the product on the shelf and Whole Foods um, teared up a little bit. And it's very emotional just to to know, you know, it looks so simple, product sitting there on the shelf. But it, it took so much work to get to that point. So very proud moment for us. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Nick Hamburger, co-founder of Quavos, based in Chicago. Egg white chips, you can see them at Mariano's, Woodman's, and the aforementioned Whole Foods. Still to come, 401k strategies at a time of massive job changes. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The number of people changing jobs is at record levels, and that has major implications for retirement plans. We're joined by Tessa White, CEO of The Job Doctor in Salt Lake City, Utah, the website thejobdoctor.com. Tessa, thanks for joining us today. There's a lot of romance uh, in the idea of getting a new job, finding that thing you want, better pay, a better working situation, uh, maybe uh, more responsibilities, a better title, and then nothing takes the air out of the balloon quite like uh, thinking about all of the other details like child care and what about your retirement fund and what about your health insurance um, are people finding that they're having a, uh, encountering those issues while they're uh, taking part in the great resignation yes they are because uh, cash is really important preserving cash is important so it's really hard for people to make the decision to take money out of their pocket today in hopes that it's going to get them money down the road and when when people want to uh, quit their job and move on, they find that situation that's right for them. What do you recommend as far as moving their retirement fund uh, from one company's 401k plan, uh, maybe into a rollover plan or into their new employer's 401k? Well, you really do have four choices when you leave. You know, one is to leave it in um, the current plan, one's to transfer to a new plan or to an IRA or cash it out. The thing not to do is see it, spend it. And that is what Gen Z seems to be doing right now. 5000 today, which sounds so nice to take out, is $50,000 to you in the future. So what I tell people is invest it in a new company. It's free money because there's usually a match associated with it. 
and be disciplined enough. And if you really, really need the cash, try instead stopping your last contribution for your paycheck and just taking one paycheck where you don't have a 401k contribution to give you a little cushion rather than uh, completely doing away with your 401k and the penalties that are associated with taking that money. And is this, uh, as you said, is this uh, strictly a Gen Z phenomenon or does uh, workers across the entire demographic spectrum, uh, do they give into that temptation? Everybody looks at it differently, but Gen Z just seems to be more short-term focused. But I think, you know, if you have financial pressure in your home, regardless of your age, that's a temptation to take it. And once again, uh, when it comes to retirement savings, it really is the present you give yourself. Yes, absolutely. It's one of those things, if you, if it's, money grows in the dark. When we aren't looking at it and not paying attention to it, it's growing for us. And that's what we want your 401k to do. Well, Tessa White, thank you for joining us this afternoon. CEO of The Job Doctor, based in Salt Lake City. The website, thejobdoctor.com. You'll find past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.